and I was in my kitchen doing dishes of all things. And I get a phone call and now I pick up all my phone calls because I never know who it is. And <laughs> it's her, her fiance, but I didn't know it was her fiance. And he just started drilling me with questions about playground. And then he said, Hey, I'd like to introduce you to, to my fiance. She's really interested in your company. No clue who it was. Sure. I'd love to meet woman who's, who wants to learn more about the business. Absolutely. And then through that, found out that it was Christina Aguilera. And, you know, Sandy and I were, we, were, we thought it was great that she was interested, but we knew we were building a very unique brand and that playground was the brand. And we don't even have a face to the brand because we think all of our customer are faces, but Hey, we need important voices. So go, let's go talk to Christina because she's an important voice. Welcome to the Glam and Grow podcast. I'm your host, Takara Suet, head of partnerships at Wavebrae. On this show, we talk with leaders of beauty, fashion, and lifestyle brands. We dive into their stories, lessons learned, and perspectives on how the industry is ever evolving. Subscribe and join us each week as we glam and grow. This episode is brought to you by Wavebrake. Most brands don't email right and it costs them. With ad costs getting more and more expensive, a world-class email and SMS program is essential. This is why Wavebreak exists. We're the premier email and SMS marketing agency that helps brands take their retention programs to the next level. If you want to learn more about partnering with us and how we can help, schedule a call with me today at wavebreak.co slash call. Joining me today on Glam and Grow is CEO and co-founder of Playground, Catherine McGee. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Yeah. So before we dive into the the fun world of Playground, tell me a little bit about your background and, and how you ended up here. Certainly. Uh, my background is probably very similar to so many of the people that you have on here, although for some reason, not a lot of people connect the dots there. But I've spent the majority of my career in the beauty industry. I started at L'Oreal in New York City and then moved to the Bay Area in San Francisco to work at a small company at the time called Bear Essentials, better known <laughs> as Bear Minerals. And uh, that was a great experience to kind of cut my teeth at a very fast growing business. And I was there through its it's time going public. I've also was head of marketing for a company called Rodan and Fields and um, really then, small brands, <laughs> really small brands. And uh, then, and then I worked at a couple of, of smaller startups that really just set, set the stage for me starting my own business. How was the experience for you, like with Bare Minerals, for example, not of Bare Minerals as a brand, but seeing a brand from inception to to such massive scale? What mm -hmm. were some of the biggest things you you learned during your time there, and mm -hmm. and what how was that experience? Certainly, because I think about it and I reflect on it quite often. Number one, you know, you're getting exposed to some really amazing, talented people. You're in an environment where everyone's so supportive of growth, right? And so when you're not a huge conglomerate, you have that freedom to, to do a great job and to work with a bunch of people. Uh, but the other thing I've definitely learned moving into smaller companies and starting my own business is that when you're on a rocket ship, you think you're the reason that's causing the rocket ship, right? You're like, oh, I just grew sales in my channel by 20%. And that feels really good, but you you sort of don't realize just the work that's that happened to, to even create that kind of growth and momentum. And it was, I wouldn't call humbling the right word, but it, it, was, a, it was a learning experience and a real appreciation for what it takes to start your own business and uh, get everything right so that you can create that early momentum for your own business. This might be a little bit of a controversial way to put it, but you talk about the getting this momentum. Do you think there is this like playbook, so to speak, or do you think they're really, and, and like really leaning into a team, or do you think sometimes there is an element of luck and timing and, and things of that nature? I, I definitely think all of the above luck is always an interesting co uh, conversation. I know people so, get really <laughs> triggered by that sometimes. So they, they, get, to ask, they, get, but. they get really, really triggered by that. Um, but, you know, 
I would say search for luck over and over again. Like the word I think, you know, uh, most important when you're starting an entrepreneurial, as much as the playbook, which, which I'll go back to is just like perseverance and grit uh, because your first startup is typically not going to work. Right. So you got to get the gumption to to kind of do it again and learn about it. But I would say when I started Playground, I definitely sort of had a playbook in mind. And probably the biggest thing that I did is I didn't move forward on a lot of other ideas, like other ideas that I loved. And then I said, you know, it's not strong enough. Like every everything has to to, in this playbook has to be as strong as possible. And I think at that point in my career, I just didn't take anything for granted. And and while I'm obviously an idealist, because you have to be to be an entrepreneur. Um, I'm, I was also cynical enough to say like, it needs to be right. Yeah. I feel that without giving away your whole methodology, so to speak, I'm curious. Yeah. You know, I'm sure, I'm sure you have your, your, uh, maybe secret, um, ideas of and approaching. I'm curious, did you lean on, you know, colleagues and friends or did you have your own little like focus group or or how did Mm -hmm. you end up and we'll dive into playground, but how did you know it was the one? Certainly. I mean, first of all, it starts with like, what was my motivation to do this? And it really was like, I've worked at beauty companies. I've been in brand management, brand strategy, direct to consumer growth. But what I really believe that, that I like to do is create aspirational products for women to love. And I love doing that. I love serving the customer. And so when I knew that I wasn't going to build a business in beauty and fashion because for, for various market reasons, And what really triggered me was looking at this category of sexual wellness and realizing that nobody's creating aspirational products that women truly love, right? Like we think about how we feel about our favorite lipstick, how we feel about, you know, the ingredients in our skincare. And we wanted to take that, that level of of thought from a product development perspective uh, and care and concern um, and passion to build a brand into this into this category. So the so that was really the big driver. And then the second piece was looking at that playbook. You know, looking at what's the growth trajectory. Um, one of the things my uh, business partner Sandy and I did is really interview and talk to a ton of women. I, I really think that might have that sets us apart a little bit because nobody's focusing on women quite like us in this space. And we have surveyed focus scoop group to talk to close to 20,000 women oh, wow. to really understand their needs. Um, so that was a big part of the playbook, right? Really make sure that there's a true need, um, that there's a some sort of growth in this in a category. I really like to look at categories where you're seeing sort of culture changes, a change in ethos, a change in values. We see that every day in this category. We talk to women who are 60, 30, and 20, and we can kind of really see where you know, generational spectrum of how people feel about all things sexual wellness and also how they respond to it, how comfortable they are to talk about it. Yeah, that's super interesting. Before we dive into the brand, because obviously we're going to talk about <laughs> very in depth. I'm curious, you know, as, as you've been at the these this variety of brands and there's this really this explosion of, you know, indie cults like really like cultivated brands in these, in these categories. Like, do you think there's, what's your thought process of all these brands feeling like they have to scale to be these publicly traded billion dollar brands? Or do you think the the new world is like these really strong sort of like indie brands that just like create the best products rather than constant focus mm-hmm. on, on growth? Mm-hmm. That's interesting. I would say 10 years ago, five years ago, particularly anytime you take VC capital, the focus is on fast, fast growth. And I worked at companies that did have that fast growth, but they it wasn't because some VC or private equity company was, was making them grow that way. They, it was this sort of thinking of creating, um, you know, they were, they were leveraging either new business models, um, new types of innovation from a product perspective. So it was, that was what was creating that growth. Um, but I do think now more than ever, that perspective has changed. And I, I really enjoy now hearing these conversations from brands and from, from venture capital, that it's really about creating better product and really great brands and connecting to that consumer 
And that's the North Star. Now, the word indie is interesting, right? Because to me, that word exists when you are in a very big industry, a very big category. And it's, a, let's be honest, the beauty is, beauty is a really big category. And so you can have these really great brands, but we call them indie because there's just so many of them. And, and when you look in sexual wellness, if you think about it, right, I mean, people probably can't even name five or six brands in this category. So I don't think the word indie really exists in this category yet. Yeah, that's super interesting. So I imagine, obviously, you saw this this white space that you were you were ready to take advantage of. So uh, just some curious, following up on those focus groups you mentioned, you talked to twenty thousand women. Was that pre development, or was that still when you were to- toying around with the idea, or um, was that after you started working on the product? Half of it was prior to launching the business to sort of validate our assumptions of you know, how comfortable were were women to buy this product? How did they feel about the current brands? We kind of knew, right? Like, oh, no, I say Trojan, you know, named after warriors who rape and pillage and KY Jelly has been around longer than women could even vote. Like we had a sense that these, that, that today's modern day woman isn't appealing. So we validated that. And then we really tried to understand people's pain points in the bedroom, um, pun intended. Uh, and, (laughs) (laughs) and, uh, and then, and then that kind of gave us a lot of information. And then since then we've continued to reach out to customers more from a product development perspective for me, you know, we can go into this later, but it's really opened my eyes to the challenges that women have both on the, the pleasure and the health side in the bedroom and around intimacy that is completely not getting addressed. Yeah. So for anyone listening, explain to me exactly (laughs) what Playground is and the products that you offer. Yeah. So Playground is a sexual wellness company. uh, And our first line of products is a line of clean libido enhancing personal lubricants. And what makes Playground different is the fact that we've spent years developing our own proprietary formulas using ingredients that are really great for the body uh, and great for the vagina. I'm going to use this word because we should all start getting comfortable. We should all, as women, be comfortable using it. And what we didn't realize when we set out to do this, like we knew the products on the market kind of felt gross and they smelled and they were kind of sticky, but we didn't realize that these formulas have been existing existing for 50 or 100 years and wow. and they nobody ever nobody ever created them for the woman's body they created them for the man's body and the it, it really opened up a, an, an entire new sort of challenge and vision and passion for us to create products that could actually benefit a, a woman's body so we've got you know ingredients good for you ingredients in our formulation that aren't in any other lubricant on the market. In the development process, I'm curious if you had some pushback on, you know, creating this product or if it was difficult to find a manufacturer, given the fact that you are really disrupting the space. Absolutely. So much, in some ways, you know, you're doing something interesting and, and good when you have that pushback, but absolutely. First of all, there's really no supply chain in this category. Because the, you know, lion's share of the category are a handful of brands owned by P&G or Reckitt. And so you can't just go out to a contract manufacturer like you can in beauty. You know, I remember being at Rodan and Fields and, and becoming a really big business before we hired our own chemist, where we had to hire our own chemist before we even started the company. Um, and so that that was a challenge that we had to figure out. And then also we got a lot of pushback because we wanted to we wanted to elevate the product. We wanted to we have you know each one of ours come with an essence, um, a very plant based, beautiful, clean essence. And a lot of the companies out there who create those didn't want to work with us. They just shut the door in our face because they thought what we were doing was was embarrassing or shameful. Wow, that's crazy. right. Which so, yeah, how did yeah. you combat that? Or did did you were you demotivated at different times like this is going to be impossible or we're not going to be able to figure this out mm-hmm. or did it did it fuel 
the fire to, to figure it out? I would say it fueled the fire because every time somebody, and, and we got it a lot, right? Like, you know, we've talked to male investors in certain parts of the country who didn't understand what we were doing at all, didn't understand why a woman would care about what goes in her body even. And, but at the same time, we were speaking to so many women and we knew that, that we were onto something here. And so it really just fueled the fire and, and what made us it like really ignited our passion because I knew every time I walked in any door, whether it's a retailer, whether it's a manufacturer, I had to sell, I had to really share what those pain points were, why, what we're doing, how we're different, why we think it's so important to women everywhere and couples everywhere and people everywhere um, that that we create products that are truly loved so that they have less shame should they need to use it. Yeah, absolutely. So for anyone listening who wants to educate them themselves more about this space, you know, because like you said, there's um, very limited options or there were very limited options for, for so long, like what ingredients should they look for or negative ingredients or whatever that they should be mindful mm-hmm. of. Like, I'm curious how someone, mm-hmm. um, if they're doing their own research, mm-hmm. so they understand this category. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I want to even take a step back before that, because what's so interesting about this category is that a lot of women, most women would actually benefit from incorporating it in the bedroom. And we are seeing the category expand. Actually, 52% of our customer base has never bought a, a lubricant before. And, and how are you getting those data subsets? Is that is that quizzes or? Uh, we ask every time somebody buys on our website, okay. we ask them a series of questions, among other ways. Um, because again, like we're still a nascent category and we're actually in some ways so different and we're attracting kind of a different audience that we want to learn as much as, as possible from her. But, you know, the couple things we say is like, so it's six out of 10 women experience some kind of discomfort or pain in the bedroom. Uh, that's what our surveys found. That's what it's verified by you know other surveys. And a lot of women are like, ah, oh, that just happens from time to time. No worries. But really, like, do you think a man would feel that way? Like, not to play the sexist game, but do you think the man is going to like be all okay for having? <laughs> they can't. Pain, they can't handle pain anything in the bedroom. <laughs> exactly. They no, can't handle pain. No. Period. <laughs> right. Right. And so, so. You know, and then you know, there's peak moments in a woman's sex in, in a woman's life postpartum being a really big one. Postpartum, your estrogen drops as much as it does in menopause, and so anytime you have dryness, you you create friction, you create micro tears. Eighty um, percent of all urinary tract infections are caused by by uh, sexual intercourse. And using a, you know, lubricating and and, in our case, hydrating, moisturizing product really goes a long way to sort of prevent those things. And then also the other thing is we have our periods every month. So our estrogen fluctuates every month. So sometimes when you're like, oh, that, you know, I'm a little more uncomfortable down there. It likely has nothing to do. Like we women, we put it on ourselves, like something is wrong with me. And, And in fact, it has nothing to do. Your body is just going through a cycle. So um, and, you know, our, Dr. Emily Morris is this wonderful um, sexologist. She's our chief sexologist. And she always says this. She like, she's like, it's your bedside best friend. It would benefit every woman. So that's kind of something we want to help educate women. Because for the women who, who you know, one of the big call outs of our survey was women felt that they were broken to have to use this product. That's so and sad. it's amazing to me. Oh no, it, it's prevalent and it's 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 cultural and and what I say is this, right? We we sell, we come from beauty. Um, when mascara uh, mascara companies don't say, "Wow, your eyelashes are dry and brittle," and they broken. say, "Wear ma- <laughs> and broken." They say, "Wear ma- mascara; right. it'll make that make you look beautiful and feel confident." And that narrative ha- has not existed in this category when it should. So I think that's the first one. And then this, the second one is, um, well, well, first of all, this, this is a, an FDA regulated ca- category. Um, we're proponent. Yeah. A lot of people don't know that we're a proponent of it because it goes inside your body and, and, and that's more absorbent than any of your skin products. It's more absorbent than even your mouth. And so because of that, the FDA ha- makes sure that you go through this process, safety process. So, so, you know, first of all, make sure that 
your some you know your products have gone through safety testing. And then for us, we've just you know we formulated it so different. It's plant based. Uh, we have a, you know adaptogens that help lift the libido. We have hyaluronic acid, vitamin That's interesting. E. The hyaluronic yep. acid. You mm-hmm. would think, yeah, would... Be, it to help lock in moisture, improve hydration. You know what I say is playground is not a lubricant. It's the first product that multitasks to go beyond lubrication to lock in hydration, increase moisture, and just add and then just increase the overall health of the vagina. Yeah. I almost feel like you've approached and totally, I'm, this is just at the top of my mind. You've approached it almost like skincare. I feel like. Absolutely. Interesting. Absolutely. I mean, we, we come from, you might, you know, Sandy is uh, our chief product officer. She was one of the lead product developers at Kendo at Sephora. Um, I met Sandy at bare essentials, bare minerals 15 years ago. Wow. And so we, we've worked together on the marketing and the product side. So you know, we've taken that 20 years of product development, skincare and cosmetics development and marketing and really brought it to playground and really just that focus on better ingredients, better performance uh, to to this category. Yeah, that's incredible. Um, you also have another co-founder, Christina Aguilera. Who, <laughs> my gosh, I, I literally I can't tell you how much I love her. Um, I'm curious how you guys connected and what her involvement is with the brand. Yes. That's a great story. We don't get to tell it enough. Um, I can even tell you from the day one how it happened. I was in my kitchen doing dishes of all things, and I get a phone call. And now I pick up all my phone calls because I never know who it is. And it's her. (laughs) And I don't. And it's her fiance, but I didn't know it was her fiance. And he just started drilling me with questions about playground. And then he said, "Hey, I'd like to introduce you to, to my fiance. She's really interested in your company." No clue who it was. Oh wow! And I so said, you never Great. met nothing, just random. No, I oh, was like, so sure, sure. I'd love to meet woman who who wants to learn more about the business. Absolutely. And then through that, found out that it was Christina Aguilera. And you know, Sandy and I were we were we thought it was great that she was interested, but we knew we were building a very unique brand, and that playground was the brand. And we don't even have a face to the brand because we think all of our customer are faces. But hey, we need important voices. And so go, let's go talk to Christina because she's an important voice. And basically, she sold us. She said that empowering female sexuality is something that has been a passion of hers her entire career. And it started because her own sexuality was challenged so much earlier in her career and as as she grew and evolved and and got older it just became really important to her and she's like it's the one you know thread through my entire career what a girl wants beautiful and she's like this feels like such a natural extension to that how can i be involved and so wow, that's those amazing conversations- that she approached you i was not expecting that uh that sequence of events that's awesome <laughs> Yes. And, you know, we, the conversations continued and we just thought she really believes in what we're doing. She has a passion for this space. And I really, you know, actually I'll say, she said a couple of things to me that actually reminded me of some of the things that the CEO of Bear Central's Leslie Blodgett has said, I mean, almost identical. I remember Leslie saying, if you build great product, and you really connect with the customer, the money will come. And Christina said, let's build a great brand and a business. I'm not worried about it making money. Like I know we can figure that out. And so I really thought for someone that, you know, is obviously this amazing musician and artist to have some of these, these sort of um, these, these thoughts and the way she thought about it aligned so much with myself and Sandy. It just felt like a great natural fit. If you listen to this podcast, you'd likely know that Shopify is the go-to e-commerce platform, helping millions sell to billions around the world. But did you know that Shopify can do the same thing in person at your retail store? Give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. 
Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. Connect with customers inline and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug and play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. With Shopify POS, you can take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point of sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go Mobile device for a battle-tested solution. The best part? With Shopify POS, effortlessly unite your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash glam, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash glam to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash G-L-A-M. Now back to this episode. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's talk about the branding and the packaging. Why Playground? I mean, I, I think it's a really fun, awesome name, but I'm curious how mm-hmm. you how you settled on that mm-hmm. and then talk to me about the the branding process. Right. I knew I wanted a, a punchy name that stood out. And to reverse this narrative of shame and stigma and and shame and stigma is the opposite of fun. And yet we're talking about products that should that are aiding a really fun activity, right? And a healthy one. And so we, you know, we kind of noodled on that. And honestly, playground just kind of hit us because it's just a moment of happiness. And it, you know, subconsciously, but but we could be really fun with it and really cheeky with it and kind of turn it on its head. A great name. So so it, you know, we say we're up for fun, down for anything. Um, but we also say we champion every woman to invest in their sexual experiences because it really does improve your relationship, your libido, and your overall health. And so we wanted that balance. But we also, I, I always say this: let's break the ice with women so they can break the norm in their bedroom. And that's what the name does, and that's what our tagline does, and that's what we try to do with our content as well. Um, and then, yeah, talk to me about the the aesthetic and and the packaging because you know it's maybe a discreet product. Like how how challenging mm-hmm. was it for you to to nail the branding? You know, we come from the beauty industry, so we wanted really beautiful packaging, and we didn't think that existed in the category. We also wanted, you know, I say this is a one skew fits all category. Like most brands have this one skew, and we're like, wait a second, we don't have one skew of skincare. We don't make in women in 50s wear, you know, oil skincare for their 20s. And so for us, it's really about providing women lots of different choices and then kind of having different names so that they can evoke different moods and experiences. So for example, date night has an essence of champagne and vanilla and mini escape has an essence of coconut and sandalwood. So we really wanted to create an experience around each of our product. Uh, And then, you know, we worked with a really great branding agency, Bartlett Brands, to bring that to life. I just have to follow up too on the name Playground. Was it difficult to get (laughs) the trademark just because it's it's such an amazing, like strong name? We, what I would say is that it's also a very generic name. And so when it's very generic, you know, who can really own or claim it, but at the same time, you know, creates confusion. But again, we're really a sexual wellness, personal lubricant company. And so we really only need to protect ourselves within those spaces. Yeah. As the brand has grown, I'm curious, um, on the website, you have this like friends with benefits section, which I think is adorable. (laughs) How, how strong has like referral been for you? Just because Mm -hmm. again, you know, it's this potentially uncomfortable conversation. I feel like this is something women really talk about amongst themselves. I would think that would be really strong for you. So we ask people how they heard from us. And we know that a lot of people, it, it is through referral and friend. But as you know, it's not like there are people now, like, so what we've noticed is 
is younger women are way more comfortable talking about it. It is the like, it is becoming like a a hit conversation on on TikTok. And so we're kind of seeing that generational gap. Uh, But people are still not like, it's not an everyday daily conversation. But I do think that it's becoming more so. And people are starting to talk about it. Yeah. You know, you mentioned this this delicate conversation about this category. I'm curious how you've approached marketing this category, what channel has been most effective for you and and how you've delicately nailed like the copy and, and the messaging in a way that's mm-hmm. really educational and strong and fun. Mm-hmm. But also, I don't know, have you ever had, you know, any sort of blockage in any channels from mm-hmm. communicating this this messaging? Right. You know, one of and there's some brands out there that that are have a different approach than us. For us, it's really important that we're not going to rub it in your face or be overt. Uh, we want to be able to create packaging that can sit on any shelf, right? Like if we really want to destigmatize the space or democratize the space, like it needs to be able to go anywhere and, and, and feel make people women feel comfortable. So we always say like, if it feels icky, we're not going to do it. So that's been very important to us from a, from a messaging perspective. I also think you know, being cheeky is, is, is right. If you can make someone laugh, then you can say almost anything. And even music, like music talks about sex all the time, but you don't think twice of it because of all the other sort of central sensorial experiences. Um, so that's kind of our philosophy in, in sort of mark branding, but from a censorship perspective, it is eye opening, almost shocking uh, how censored this category is, especially if you want to compare it directly to call it erectile dysfunction. Um, both products are to aid couples, you know, or people in the bedroom, but one is censored. Like That's if we crazy. were to say lubricant for women who are going through menopause, lubricant that helps women in menopause would be censored but not erectile dysfunction. That is so crazy. I wonder I wonder if like in the near future that will change because that just seems very like discriminatory for lack of a, a better word. I think That's there's just such a lack of education around this category as a whole. Uh, and you know when we as women aren't comfortable talking about it, then it's not really put in a spotlight for it to gather more attention. And then I kind of joke, right? Like if a man has a problem in the bedroom, like he's going to shout it from the rooftop and they better make a <laughs> bunch of products to solve that problem. And yes, make a Super Bowl out of, out, out of it. Uh, so, but, but I do see it changing, you know, for us link it, while we are really fun and we want to break the ice with women, linking it back to wellness is really, really important. It, it, and this is wellness. You know, I say this sexual wellness is the last frontier of wellness. And we learn every day why why it really is beneficial to our health. Outside of the fact that like women get yeast infections and urinary tract infections and in how these products can possibly help there. But just from a relationships perspective and a menopausal perspective, there's benefits to your body to you know, when you have a healthy, active um, time in the bedroom. Yeah, that makes sense. And then from a, a channel perspective, like what what's you mentioned TikTok and and how younger women are more co- comfortable speaking about it. Um, has it been influencer? Like what social? What's been most um, effective for you? For us, and we're a little lucky in in this manner. But finding powerful, credible voices who are going to be taking the first stand to have this conversation. Uh, That's, so obviously that we have Christina that's led the way, you know, Christina had, had also done a great podcast with Alex Cooper from call her daddy. And they had an open conversation about it. She's probably the perfect person to talk to. (laughs) (laughs) And, and Dr. Emily, Emily Morse, who's really helps people with relationships. And so I, we know for me, how can I connect to all of these women and share the playground story or really the 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 females oh how we can help spread awareness about how sex is an essential part of your overall wellness and then getting them on board to have the conversation that's kind of what's I think been the most 
powerful thing about the brand. Yeah, definitely. I'm curious, um, as the brand sits, it's, I would imagine it's predominantly D to C, although I see you're, you're starting to tap into retail. Is that sort of the mm-hmm. long-term vision? Cause I feel like in this category, it might be a little bit of more of like a impulse purchase or where somebody sees it in their, their physical shopping experience. So I'm, I'm curious what your plans are to expand into retail. So we've been fortunate because most of our retail partners reached out to us. And then we've also been fortunate because we've done well in those retail partners. We do want to put the product in the shopping channels that where women shop. So that's important for us. Um, and we, we do have a big focus on retail coming up in 2024. Um, but I would also say that it's becoming less of an impulse purchase, right? Like, so sunscreen, people didn't really think about a ton 10 years ago. And now we don't walk out the door with it. And what I say and what I've learned and all the OBGYNs I speak to, if you are postpartum and you are perimenopausal or menopausal, you should be using this product frequently. Um, and and, and when you say frequently, trend, I just follow up question to that. Is that, yeah. um, you know, even like out of the bedroom, is this something people where women should just use, you know, on a regular basis? I'm just curious. Mm. There, I think the science is leading us in that direction. Cause that's really interesting that it becomes mm-hmm. almost like, almost like part of your daily routine regardless right. of your. Right. Uh, like I think there's a, there's science leading us in that direction. And I do see in the future, uh, a world where people are using these products daily and weekly. Um, you know, you know, just going back to women who are postpartum, they've just, it, 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 once you start talking about it, you realize that it's, it's not data or market trends. It's just, uh, unbelievable that you have a baby, you've gone through tons of trauma. Um, if your breast, if you, your estrogen's plummeted, if you breastfeed, your estrogen, uh, is lower for the, the entire time you're breastfeeding, your body's trying to recover all your, you know, it's sort of like, if, if your skin's really, really dry, you're going to use moisturizer. So if you are lacking estrogen, you need to use moisturizer to combat that. That's how I view personal lubricants. Yeah, that's so interesting. Um, I'm curious, obviously, there's been a few challenges, but I'm curious what the the biggest challenge has been for you in building the brand. And is, and is there anything you would have done differently in retrospect? The big, the biggest challenges go back to this conversation, but it's the biggest challenge yet. It's also the biggest opportunity where shame is dissipating, um, but it's still there. And there really, there's a lack of, you know, I call a lack of adult women's sex ed education in this entire space, uh, which makes it hard to share that story comfortably with everybody. You know, and this sexual wellness space is a really underinvested space from a venture capital perspective. They don't get it. They don't understand it. It looks small to them. Uh, when actually, as women, we all we all should care about our sexual wellness. Uh, so there's there's that, and then of course the censorship part can you know is a challenge for everybody in this space. But then therein lies the opportunity, because if we can break that, we're seeing that trend. You know, we're really seeing, I think we're at a tipping point of sexual wellness, education, awareness, and creating products that's going to help help improve that part of a woman's life. And you mentioned this educational component and you have a, is it sexologist? A sexologist? Okay. Yeah. I'm curious, like, you know, how are you communicating this education? Is it through your, your email and your own marketing? Is it through the blog? How, how mm-hmm. do you think it's been most effective and how does your, how does your chief sexologist contribute and, and how does she determine like how, how to educate in a, a delicate, you know, easy mm-hmm. way that people really resonate mm-hmm. with? We, we, ba- we want to balance then with education. Uh, like, first of all, the best education is fun and entertaining. And so that's how we think about it. And so we do it on social. We, we also have, um, 
a blog and our goal there is to answer every sexual wellness or sexual pleasure sex ed question that a woman has. And we've been building that for a year. And then what's great is now in September, sex, September Sexual Health Month, and we're launching a ton more content on our website uh, across all these topics that we know um, women are starting to get really interested in. Yeah, I think it's a really interesting topic. And then aside from the 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 sexual wellness, I guess the physical component, I'm curious the psychological component, if that's something you think mm-hmm. plays into effect as well, especially because this conversation for so many is very taboo, very uncomfortable. Talk to me about mm-hmm. the psychology behind it. Mm-hmm. And we say sexual wellness for everyone, but especially women, because women have, they have the most sexual health issues. We have babies and periods, et cetera. Um, but, but we get the least amount of attention in this category. Um, so Oh, wait, I was just going to say something. Repeat the last part that you said. <laughs> oh, this, this, no, that's okay. Oh, the psychology. That's the psychology. Right, that's right. Yeah, because yeah. I feel like it's and, like, it has to be related, right? It's like. And you were, you, I love that you brought that up because the best OBGYNs, including like our, our chief sexologist says for women in the bedroom, our experience is half emotional and half physical. So you can solve solve the physical side of it, but if you aren't addressing the emotional side of it, and we, you know, for us, we say we're at the intersection of pleasure and health, and everything we do needs to oh, solve for both. And also, like, how do we have these conversations around the emotional side of it? You know, as one example that I love that Emily says is like when you know she calls them detract mood mood makers. We call it mood makers and mood breakers. If you are really, really freezing and your body temperature drops and you're producing cortisol, you your body actually can't get aroused because the oxytocin and the all those other um, serotonin can't be produced when you're producing these these like the cortisol reaction. And so for women, you know what you know we always say like we're so busy and we've got so much going on and like when our emotional brain is distracted it really does affect our experience in the bedroom. So, so we think a lot about that. And I think it's a, a whole other conversation we should be having every day. Yeah. I think that's really, really interesting. And I, and I think it's, um, yeah, I think it's, I think the psychology part of just, I think even overall happiness and health, I think it everything is, you know, all related. So um, what's been the most rewarding part of building the brand for you? changing people's minds around this product in category. When I started Playground, I didn't tell anyone because I was like, there, no one's going to understand it. I had it in my Good brain. You. And even I didn't like until you, the day you launched. Well, I didn't tell anyone when we, we, when, when we, it, we initially started it and the product development process took a, a long time. And then I didn't even tell my parents or my brother until two weeks before launching. And we'd been developing the product for two years. Wow. And were you hesitant to hear people's unsolicited advice or you just wanted to drown out sort of any negativity or because of the topic you just felt, you know, I, it was, what's, what's really interesting and it's almost a litmus test for playground is having the same conversation before playground, people were uncomfortable. They didn't understand what it was. It'll never work that, you know, they just had this really bad sort of thought views around it. And then once you launched playground and they saw how fun and pretty it was, and they sort of saw like the empowerment side of it, it was like, it just flipped the switch for them. And so the conversation, I, I just didn't want to deal with the conversations that that I, I I would when I had to, but then I didn't open myself up to it. And then now I, you know, everyone should talk about this category in, in playground in their next dinner party, because it's like, <laughs> it, it beca- you become the fun. Depends who you're eating dinner with. <laughs> <laughs> if you're at a fun dinner, it's great. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. And then, you know, ultimately was your family like, wow, this is amazing what you're building or were they still at all? hesitant to understand uh, and came around eventually. Mix of both. Uh, really, m- my mother-in-law, for example, is she's a marketer herself. 
and she's sort of very wellness minded. I think that the more wellness minded you are, the more open to this conversation. And and as a society, we're becoming more wellness minded. Hopefully, that to me is like the biggest change here. And uh, but I just still remember like my I I did a Zoom with my parents, my seventy year old parents, and my brother, and my dad was like just staring at me, and my brother just couldn't stop telling jokes. Right. So it was like, that was their coping method, um, coping method. But again, I, what I, what I also like, we go back to the playbook. Are we seeing trends where people are more open to these type of conversations? I think wellness, the wellness trend has been so massive. Uh, and it's really changed the way people view new ways of improving your well being and your health. Yeah, I mean, it was a bold like undertaking for for you to do, you know, especially if you also, I don't know, come from an environment that's a bit and nothing in regards to anyone's family, but like suppressive or whatever. It's it's a bold mm-hmm. move to create something that, you know, no one's done in the past because, you know, they've either been scared or haven't seen the space. But um, yeah, I, I'm excited to see how the conversation evolves. And um, I think hopefully people's mindsets about you know, everything that's taboo will just continue to change and people can just live their lives more comfortably Mm -hmm. and happy. You know, it's, Mm -hmm. it's very, Mm -hmm. very interesting. There's a lot of taboo topics out there. And I think what's interesting about this one is that it's, you know, it's, it's really healthy. It's something that humans have been doing since the beginning of time. Exactly. I know people act like it's also, (laughs) also, what bothers me is like, if you talk about a topic like this, it, it automatically defaults for a lot of people as it's like, almost like crude and like this, like negative connotation of like, you're out of your mind or something, as opposed to like, you know, the wellness, like health conscious person. Um, I think people like look at this category from two different lenses and it's just really interesting how differently people approach it. Right. And really like what created, what, what things in our past have sort of created that shame. We didn't do it ourselves. It was put on top of people, especially for women. And I think it's great for all of us to remove that. And, you know, they say, they say issues in the bedroom is a top three challenge in any relationship. And you want to be able to remove those challenges in your relationship, right? So this should be, we should be supporting this and empowering ourselves and our friends to, to, to focus on it. And, and so now like, yeah, I joke about those early days when I heard everything and now I have the thickest skin and I'm so like, I, 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 I've drunk the Kool-Aid of my own brand and mission I love and that. I'm not at all ashamed or scared to talk about it to anyone at all times. <laughs> Good for you. And I love, I love that you mentioned too, like if this had been any sort of male issue, even to the fact that like from a marketing perspective there, like that's okay. You know, like how many times mm-hmm. have you heard people talk about Viagra or whatever it is? It's like a totally, mm-hmm. I feel like pretty normal conversation. And then this is still uh, right. delicate, and, but. And to tie it back to Christina, it's, you know, think tie about to, Christina. <laughs> to tie it back to Christina, you know, I, I, I get to talk about it on a one-on-one basis, right? She has to come out to the world and talk about it. And I respect and, and I, there's so much about that, that I ha- have really come to appreciate. Um, and she has a ton of, I mean, for her to have the career that she's had, she obviously isn't afraid of most anything. Uh, But it's really, she's leading the charge here on this, on this conversation and and taking it national and encouraging her followers and her friends to join in. And so it's, you know, I think that that is an amazing, unique thing that we have at Playground. And I would call that luck. (laughs) Go, go back to that part of it, we got, we got lucky. And we're also hitting on something I think that is really important and needs to change. Yeah. And I think even like partnering with Christina, I absolutely love her. Obviously I, I said that before we hit record, but even like going back, I'm going off on a tangent, how she started, you know, 
genie in a bottle, like quite like conservative because I was so part of that, you know, millennial time period of, you know, all of these amazing women. And then like when Stripper came out, it was like the most scandalous thing at the time. And what's funny now, I feel like that would be like kind of PG. But at the time it was like crazy. So I, I do feel like on a real personal level, like she really has been part of that movement. So there's like such a great alignment in this brand, you know, for you guys and her that it's just like, it's such a natural fit. Um, so I think it's, I think it's awesome to, to have her on the forefront of that. Absolutely. We don't really tell her what to say at all. Like, in fact, we get sound bites from her. It's just been a really, to your point, uh, shared mission. Yeah. I love that. Uh, what advice would you give your younger self? I think I, I think I failed a lot when I was younger. I mean, I don't know if, if they're framed as failure, but you know, I think I was down on myself a lot when things didn't work out. And the best thing you can do in life is just to keep trying and keep trying and keep trying. And that would be my advice is just be less hard on yourself and and keep trying. I love that. For my final question, what's next for yourself and Playground? We really, I think the same thing is, is how do we convince, empower and champion more channels, more retailers to help to join us in spreading the word that sexual pleasure is sexual health. And therefore, and we're seeing that, like we're expanding into these these new retailers. I think that's that's huge. We have lots of conversations with OBGYNs. I think they can be a really important part of this conversation. And I'd love to be able to connect with more of them and really make that a a big part of Playground in our future too. And then are there any new products on the horizon that you can share or or we'll have to be on the lookout? Yes. I, I will go ahead. I don't know if I'm allowed to, but I will anyway. We have this really amazing product coming out in two months. Um, and it is an, it is a, it's called mood maker. I'm just going to tell you because I love the name and it is luxurious feeling. It's silky feeling. It has this beautiful, um, floral vanilla essence to it. Um, it will elevate every experience in the bedroom. And what I think this product will do is instead of people saying, oh, I have to use this product because I don't want to have pain. They're like, wait, I want to use this product because it makes my entire experience for myself and my partner better. So we're really excited about, about that product. We've been working on it a very long time. Yeah, that's awesome. And I'm sure you'll expand into, into other products as well as you're just opening up this whole new category. So Thank you so much for joining me in this conversation and coming on the show. Uh, For anyone listening who wants to find out more information on yourself and Playground, where can I direct them? Hello, playground.com or on TikTok or uh, IG at hello.playground. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. Be sure to leave a review and subscribe to all future episodes. For show notes and resources mentioned, go to glamandgrow.co. This show is produced by Wavebreak. If you're an e-commerce marketing leader who wants to take your email and CRM program to the next level, schedule a call with me today at wavebreak.co. Thanks so much for listening. This episode is brought to you by Wavebreak. Most brands don't email right and it costs them. With ad costs getting more and more expensive, a world-class email and SMS program is essential. This is why Wavebreak exists. We're the premier email and SMS marketing agency that helps brands take their retention programs to the next level. If you want to learn more about partnering with us and how we can help, schedule a call with me today at wavebreak.co slash call.